Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode number 68. Hey listeners, if you enjoy the MEP, please let others know about us. Tell your coworkers, your friends, your family, loved ones, and share it on social media at Macrofab or follow us on Facebook. And we have an Instagram. Yes, Iris. Uh, our, our marketing, uh, one of our marketing team members is here today to kind of help us remember things like this. So w- what's our handle on Instagram? Is it at Macrofeb Inc. Inc. Oh, that's what is. we got wrong last week. Okay. At Macrofeb Inc. Is, is Instagram. So at some point during the show, we're going to announce a secret code word. And we don't even know what that code word is. <laughs> we never know what it is until we get to it. Uh, so once you hear the secret code word, which we will announce, uh, if you want to email us your address and the code word at podcast at macrofab.com, we'll send you some sweet macrofab swag. Yeah. So we've been uh, we've we've already been uh, getting that swag out to people because we've been running the uh, the uh, secret code word for a couple episodes now, and people are starting to receive everything. Yeah, I think we've been doing it for six episodes or something like that. Something now. like that. Yeah, yeah. We're starting to see people tweet out uh, their their sweet koozies. Yeah. And actually, a couple of them gone overseas as well. Yeah. So, Parker, what's been up this week? So, the particle photon IoT work stuff that I've been working on. Yeah, we talked about that last time. Yes, and it's a continuation of the Hackaday's, like, Internet of Useful Thing challenge. Yeah. And so, I've basically been laying the, the hardware groundwork for uh, the compressor IoT that I want to do. Mm. Um, so, I... I Basically, I earlier this week I picked a whole suite of like sensors I wanted to use and how I was going to interface with the compressor and basically wrote up a little design doc and started you know laying down parts today. Nice. So the for vibration sensing and um, I guess I guess magnitude is what I want to use it for, like how aggressive it's vibrating. Sure. Um, I'm going to use the LSM9DS1. It's a little bit overkill for what I need because it also has like, it's like a, it's a six degree of freedom. Is that a MEMS? Yeah, it's a MEMS. Okay. Who makes Um, it? ST, if I remember correctly. Okay. But it's a little overkill because it's got a built in magnometer Mm -hmm. and I don't need that. Um, it's a six degree of freedom. I just need the accelerometer, but I chose this one because there's already examples out there of code to get it to work with the, you know, particle photon. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, ah, it's easy. You know. how, how much does that cost? A couple bucks. Yeah, it's a couple bucks. I think it's like five dollars. Okay, so it's not super cheap, but it's not terrible. No. It's not like a twenty dollar sensor. No, it's not too bad. I do have a twenty dollar sensor on here though. Really? Yeah. We'll get to that in. Okay. Down the list a bit. <laughs> so, so what else are you slapping on this? Um, a MEMS microphone. Okay. Uh, it's, that's, so wait, it's going to vibrate, and you're going to listen to it vibrate? Yeah. I, I figured if I could also listen to it, I could figure out easier, like, if it's the uh, compressor running or if it's the air-water blow-off valve. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're going to just analyze it and make decisions based off of what you're seeing? Yeah, what <laughs> frequencies awesome. I'm seeing. And... I, I kind of wanted the sound there too, just to see if, like, I can detect, you know, maybe the frequency shifts as as oil gets older or as it wears in more. You know, who knows? Yeah, It'd be interesting to see that. And that's not that expensive a device. That's like a you know fifty cent part plus an op amp. And it's just a surface mount part that you slap on the board, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a MEMS style. Basically, it's 
a diaphragm made of silicon. Is it like a QFN package or something? No, it's um, it's a weird pack. It's almost like a metal tin crystal mm-hmm. with a hole in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen a handful of those. Yeah. Um, so I got one of those on the board. And then for temperature sensing, I'm not doing it the right way, I guess, because I'm just using a board mount sensor. This is just to measure ambient temp, I guess. Um, I'm using the uh, TI TMP 102, which is a very low cost board mount sensor. Um, the good thing about all, well, at least uh, most of these sensors is they're all I square C. So I just have one oh, bus. One bus yeah. makes it super easy. Now, of course, the MEMS microphone is not I square C. So I'm, that's just on the analog grid, though. What's your processor? Oh, I'm sorry. It's the Photon. Photon, yeah. Whatever the Photon. Uh, so how, it has a couple of ADDs on it or something? Yeah, it's got, um, I think, actually, like eight channels. 10-bit? 8-bit? Um, enough bit. <laughs> probably 10. Yeah, probably 10. Uh, it's enough for my, my project. Yeah, well, you're only going to be using one of them, right? Yeah. Um, two pins, actually. ADC. Two ADDs? Yeah. What's uh, okay? So you got the the microphone on one. What do you got on the other? Pressure transducer. Ooh, this so is wait, the tw- wh- this is why the are you measuring part. all of these different things? Because I can. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> why. <laughs> I mean, it's an IoT thing. It's it can do anything, right? A- Internet of excessively useful things. Excessively right? useful. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so it's a um, the pressure transducer is a PX three AN two BS two five zero P A A A X. The mouthful. Remember that for the exam later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if we were mean, we'd make that the code word, and you had to spell it correctly. That's brutal. No, <laughs> That's we're, we're not, not doing that. No, we're not doing that, that is not the code word. Um, but it's like a. Um, it has a eighth inch NPT fitting on the end, so you can screw into the. I basically want to take the gauge off the compressor and put a T, put the gauge back on, and then screw this in. Mm-hmm. That way, I can just see how. You know how much it cycles in terms of pressure drop, and see if I can say if uh, I can see a leak happening on like a weekend or something. Okay, that's yeah. kind of what I want to see. I, I got have that, and then um, to control the compressor, I'm going to use a solid state relay, and I found one that can be controlled with a 3.3 volt signal, and that is a 6225AXXSZSDC3. That one. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of letters there. <laughs> um, and that that's what I'm going to do is I'm just going to have a um, the 3.3 volt signal come out of the box. I'm going to go through like a 10 ohm resistor just to you know protect the particle photon just a little bit, and then it's just going to go right into the SSR. <laughs> so the SSR shuts down the machine. It, yes, it'll be able to shut the machine down. It won't be able to turn it on. How, how does it? How does it shut it down? So there's a switch on the front of the compressor that basically is in series with the switch that turns on via pressure. Oh, okay. And so it's got a mechanical re- read switch basically that when the diaphragm is you know, there's enough pressure in the tank that stretches the diaphragm out, and so it'll turn on that, and then the the power goes into a toggle switch that's on the front of the compressor, and then it'll go into this SSR, and then onto the motor. Is this a DC SSR? It's AC. Oh, okay, so the the AC's on the switch. Yes. Oh, okay, so then you're fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I ran into an issue with DC and AC SSRs not that long ago where I, I had a whole project with a bunch of AC SSRs and then I realized that they 
don't switch DC, yeah. or they sort of they, 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 turn they switch it on, it on and then don't switch it off. There's su- uh, suicide switches. That's right. Well, and and that's what I was wondering if you were going to take this SSR and just put it across the mains, such that if it detected something, it just exploded the mains. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it's it will be able to turn it off and on. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it will be. It's more of a engage disengage or arm disarm. The sure, compressor, sure, because it can't actually turn the compressor on because that's all up onto the pr- actual mechanical pressure switch, right. which is probably better to do it that way. So it's still somewhat safe. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's as the manufacturer intended. Right. I. But I wouldn't I jack would, with a pressure switch. They no, know what no. they're doing. Yeah. They have. Well, it that's right. it's you all listed. Right. Right. <laughs> so w- how are you powering the photon? Is it leaching? Uh, I could do that. I'm just going to put, like, a USB plug on it and then a wall wart. And plug <laughs> just plug it into the wall. Yeah, plug it into the wall. Oh, come on. It'd be so cool to suck off power off Vampire off the mains. Well, then that, that would mean I have to pull the power, uh, high voltage out of the compressor box into my box. And I kind of wanted to make sure oh, everything was you, low you're voltage. Oh, you're keeping everything separate. I got you. Yeah, yeah I wanted yeah. low voltage only, you know. Okay. Yeah. So you just have to plug your box into the wall. Yeah, it's not too bad. There's already a plug there for the blow-off, so yeah, it's not too big of a deal. Cool. So, Stephen, earlier this week, yes, we did a Facebook Live thing. We did a Facebook Live thing, and this has been a long time coming, but we finally calibrated the Space Echo. Yeah, and it was just a piece of felt. <laughs> Wait. Is that the code word? Piece of felt? Piece of felt. Yeah, Piece I guess of so. felt is the code word. And this one actually has some significance. Yeah. Because, okay, so we, <laughs> we actually finished working on the uh, Space Echo months ago. Yeah, months in ago. Terms, in terms of actually getting all the components fixed on it. And we turn it on, and it sort of doesn't work. Uh, sort of meaning as in we were able to get something out of it, but... Clearly, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, we established this Facebook Live thing that we, we did on Tuesday where we basically just did a live calibration of the, um, space, of echo. the space Echo. And one of the, one of the reasons why we did that kind of worked in favor because we just got a, uh, a really killer DMM that we borrowed from Keithley, uh, a seven-and-a-half-digit uh, DMM. So we were kind of doing them in parallel, playing yeah. around with the DMM, and we could use that to calibrate. Even though it's funny, we only used it for one thing. One measurement, yeah. One measurement, and, and, and even better than that, the measurement wasn't measure this voltage. It was just make sure the, that this voltage is lower than a number. Yeah, lower than the and number. And it doesn't it say where lower. It just lower. Lower. Uh, so it, it's like... It's it's killing it's killing a mosquito with a boulder yeah. Kind, of, yeah. kind of situation. And, and, and all the other... Um, measurements we had to make or calibrations were basically we put in like noise a, a very small known noise signal right and then you disconnect the input right with, so with, it doesn't do anything, so it doesn't do anything. It's, I, ah. I, it, it's pulling on the power supply though yeah it's, it's pulling drag on the power supply yeah. right yeah it's dragging down okay so the reason why the code word is piece of felt is because when we turned the device on probably i think this was like the first 10 minutes yeah, we noticed that the tape was kind of slack on the on the tape head. Yeah, well, that is, that's an, ain't gonna work, and so we're figuring out why it's slack. And Parker goes and just pushes on the little piece of felt. It's a piece of felt that's a tensioner, yeah. sort of. Uh, and the tape pulls nice. And then and the speaker and it, started. And, this, and it just started echoing. And it's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? <laughs> and all it was was a set screw adjustment to yeah. move yeah, a mechanical this little adjustment. piece of felt. 
uh, that presses on the tape. Mechanical adjustments are calibration. They are. They are. And in fact, the the um, uh, the service manual called for these kinds of calibrations. Yeah. In fact, we only actually technically did the electrical calibration. The whole section before what we had was the mechanical calibration. Yeah, we eyeballed the um, the pickups. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah the read write heads. Uh, the azimuth of the heads, that's actually what they, they have in the yep. service manual. Effectively, just make it flat. Yeah, make it parallel to the and square to the tape. Yeah, so so basically we, we do this one thing, and it just starts echoing. Uh, it's not perfect, so we, we still had to do some calibration yeah, in they, there, but it was it, one fix was 98% of it. Yeah, and the la- actually 1.8% of that last of it was... <laughs> We had to break the tape in. Right. You just let it run, and it actually echoes better after, I guess, the tape gets magnet- magnetically used. Yeah, so, something. I don't know. Maybe maybe, it, maybe it's just The sound random. massages the, the, the particles in the tape. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, that's right. basically what that's, it's... Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. See, you're starting to turn into an audio guy now. <laughs> <laughs> Get, you hire an audio masseuse. Sonically massaged. Sonically massaged. That, that, I wish that was the code word. We'll just make that the title. Yeah, Sonic Massage is the title. <laughs> Piece of Felt is the code word. <laughs> so, yeah, the Space Echo is working. Um, we have a little bit of cosmetic work to do. Um, oh gosh, long time ago, Parker uh, had an aluminum faceplate uh, machined for it, and we still have to put that on there. And then the knobs for this are actually sitting in my apartment right now, so i got to go and get those. And Probably them. clean them, too. Yeah, probably. We cleaned everything else. Might as well clean, clean the, the thing that you see. Yeah, we might as well. touch. Yeah, and touch, yeah. You know, how, no, that, actually, we should just leave that dirty just, be, <laughs> just because. Yeah. Oh, we're just getting dirtier. Yeah, there, there we go. So uh, we'll probably have an update. <laughs> I think we have a guest next week. Yes. So we'll have an update. Two weeks. In the future. Well, yeah. Everything is, <laughs> everything is in the future. Two weeks. Cool. <laughs> so I also... Uh, uh, we talked about this last podcast, but I think... We hadn't completed it. We hadn't completed it. We did it, it on yet. Friday after the podcast. That's right. So uh, we did the voltage calibration on my Cronheit 501J, which is a voltage standard. Yeah, uh, and it's really awesome now. It is ridiculously accurate now. Yeah. Uh, in, in most cases for, uh, for each voltage selection range, I am less than a microvolt uh, Offset when most of the, uh, the the service manual calls for like plus minus fifteen to twenty microvolts. I'm yep. I'm in the nanovolt range. Yeah, for each one of those, it, it's um, the best was uh, the the tweet that we put out where you powered on <laughs> ten volts and you're like, Wah! yeah. Well, we powered on on ten and the meter just goes nine point nine 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 and it just keeps going down. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, yeah, the uh, voltage standard is complete, and I'm going to be using that to calibrate the synthesizer. So all of this kind of goes into one giant soup that, yep. you know, comes together, which the synth we will eventually play through the space echo so we can hear all of that. But since my synth responds to a control voltage of 0 to 10 volts uh, for the input where 0 is 13.75 hertz and 10 volts is... 14,000 and some change hertz. Um, I wanted a very accurate 
input voltage such that I could calibrate my synth. But now that I have my voltage standard, which was calibrated from a DMM that's really good, yep. now it cascades down and I can actually calibrate my synth. So. Yeah, and speaking of the synthesizer. That's right. You have an update. You're yeah. going to be playing some tunes, right? A bunch of warbles. <laughs> warbles? Because you only have uh, only one section working, right? Yeah. Yeah, I only I only have one section. Um, it's the VCO, right? Yeah, so the, the, the VCO um, is partially complete right now. So w this is kind of the first initial prototype demo of the synthesizer. So what is a VCO? Voltage-controlled oscillator. I, what Can you give a quick rundown of how that works? Sure. Uh, so Just in theory of operation in this particular model, I'll break it down as 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 high level as possible. I have a, um, a 18 mega 328p basically running Arduino, uh, and it dumps out to a DDS um, synth synth chip, which basically is just a clock divider that you can write a digital uh, uh, signal to, um, and then that drives an analog sawtooth generator. Okay. And from that sawtooth generator, I can go in and then using a couple math operators, I can hack and chop that into different sounds. And you're doing all the math operators in op amps and transistors. Yeah, op amps, comparators, a uh, handful of tris uh, transistors and things. So it's, it's simple things. It's like compare. Uh, if you compare a sawtooth wave, you get a pulse. Yep. Uh, if, you, if you do the absolute value of a sawtooth wave, you get a triangle wave. Uh, if you do some other fancy stuff to a triangle wave using some diode breakpoints, you can get a sine wave. So just a couple of different analog operators, and you get uh, a bunch of different waves available. So this oscillator real quick, let me pull up some noise on it. So right now we're listening to a sine wave. So uh, in this demo, I have control over the pitch. And that swings from what fourteen hertz to fourteen kilohertz. Yeah. So roughly? so okay. So actually, um, the the oscillator, the input to the oscillator is a zero to ten volt or zero to five volt actually wave. Um, but what I basically have is just a potentiometer that acts as a voltage divider. So turning the pot all the way low right now is zero volts into my um, A to D, and that is equivalent to about fourteen hertz. Okay. And then if I swing it all the way. The other way, that's about 14,000 and some change hertz. And then anywhere in between. So this is just a good old-fashioned sine wave. Nothing too special there. Yeah. So I can change my selector to a triangle wave. Now, it, a triangle wave is effectively a... Uh, uh, sonically, it's really close to a sine wave. It yeah. just has a little bit more edge to it because it has those sharp break points. Yeah, well, you get a um, you get a high-frequency noise at when it breaks over. That's right, yeah. Uh, and in fact, there's a little bit of oscillation in this, uh, or a really high-frequency oscillation. If you, put, if you put this triangle onto a uh, oscilloscope, you'll see a bunch of extra crap at the breakpoint, but uh, it's so high frequency you can't hear it. Okay, great. That's the uh, triangle wave. Uh, the next one is a sawtooth wave, which is way more aggressive. Really buzzy. Because it has a um, a much sharper cutoff. Yeah. So once the, uh, the sawtooth wave reaches its maximum point, it has to 
as quickly as possible jump down to the lowest point. Yep. So that's where you get all that extra high frequency uh, sound from. So these are these three that we've listened to right here. I'll, in fact, I'll change them real quick. So that's a uh, sawtooth wave. These these three waves: sine wave, triangle wave, and sawtooth wave. I consider to be more of the um, softer quote waves. Mm-hmm. They they have a little bit more of uh, just a smoother characteristic, minus maybe the sawtooth wave. Most of the other ones are a bit more aggressive. There, so once again, sawtooth wave. The next wave is actually kind of a mixture. Uh, this is called a uh, super saw wave, which I believe was coined by Roland. I can't remember exactly who did it originally, but it's uh, what you do is you take a s- Roland the synthesizer company, right? The, the, yeah. Or keyboard manufacturer. Keyboard, yeah. Um, so what you do is you basically take a sine wave, you phase shift it, you then add some voltage to it, DC voltage to it, and then you combine that mixed with a sawtooth wave. So you get some aspects of the sawtooth and some aspects of the sine wave. So it's a little bit. It's a little bit more aggressive than the the than the saw, uh, sawtooth wave. All right. Yeah. So there's there's two more waves that uh, that are available on my synth. The next one is a pulse wave. This one is going to be your fundamental frequency plus mm-hmm. everything else uh, the way a regular rectangular pulse should be. And this is your more like Nintendo-y kind yeah. of digital sound to it. This uh, and, and the saw is what you get on a Nintendo. That's right. That's right. And you actually get a lot of triangle too. Um, but digital triangles don't sound like analog triangles. They're, they're, they're always more buzzy. Yeah. Um, so, just a regular old uh, pulse wave here, but in in this um, synth, I can actually control the pulse width. So this is about ten percent pulse width positive, and then as you swing all the way over, you get about ninety percent. And then if you jump in between them, you can get kind of that sweepy sound. Yeah. And this is me actually moving a potentiometer with my hand right now. Um, I do have inputs for a low-frequency oscillator such that you can control the pulse width with another wave. Yeah. Uh, and we will add that in later on. So the last wave uh, is actually not functional at the moment. I'll have that going in the future, but it's called an animator wave, which is basically a sawtooth wave that is... You get multiple copies, you phase shift them, and then you add them together, and it just becomes this huge cacophony of, like, ridiculous sound. Uh, it's the coolest one, and I wish it was working right now, but it is it is not. So, um, in addition to whatever wave uh, is, is my fundamental that I'm playing, I actually also have a sub-oscillator that I can add in. So right now we're just purely hearing a sub-oscillator at one octave below the uh, the fundamental and then that's adding in the 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 fundamental so right now I'm playing a sawtooth wave on top and a um, sub octave which is just a square wave beneath then I also have the ability to drop to two octave I'm sorry 
That was two octaves lower. This is one octave lower. Yeah. I had that I had that set wrong. So there's there's one octave below fundamental. So I can change the uh, the relative mix of the two. This is just purely fundamental. And this is just purely sub octave. And I can change the wave waveform of whatever's on top. So that's what I got going so far on this. And so what's the next step? There's a lot of next steps available. <laughs> so what's uh, the next update we're going to have? The next update, I will have the rest of the VCO complete. So I will actually have MIDI control. Mm -hmm. So we can actually have a keyboard and play something that's not just a whole bunch of sweeps all over the place. Uh, and then I will have the animator up and running. And I will also have all the LFO, with the low-frequency oscillator inputs. Basically, I'm going to complete the entire VCO and have that such that we can have all the control over it. Awesome. Very cool. Yep. Awesome. All right, so we are going to have a new section. That's right. Called the POW. And this is actually our friend's Pat idea. Um, it's product of the week or P was it part of the week? Yeah, or project of the project week. Project of the week. <laughs> it can be whatever we want it to be as yeah. long as it, the it's acronym the goes POW. It's, yeah. It, it's not technically an RFO. No, it's not an RFO. Um, and this is going to be kind of a slight jab to ourselves with another project. <laughs> yeah. um, I found a even better op amp uh -oh. for the super simple power supply. No. Yeah. The OPA549 is like, like so you, you, you the, we were using the 541. That's right. And that was like the, the, the hot dog, right? This is the like the bratwurst. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the hot dog of 2015. Yeah, because that's when we searched for the five four one. Yeah, and and it all spawned off of uh, going to Mauser and just looking for the the craziest off amp oh, we could find. And so I guess they've created a better one now. Yeah, it's even it, again. It's the bratwurst. It's bigger. <laughs> Okay. Um, it, uh, it's, it's a high voltage, high current op amp. There's so many good words for code words <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> um, but the crazy thing about this is it does eight amps continuous, Jeez. which is three more than the old op amp that we right, were using. Right, because it was five. And it does 60 volts instead of 40. Wow. Yeah, we need to use this guy instead. If we use So basically, if we use the OPA 541, yeah. the power supply is already obsolete. That's kind of sad. That makes me sad because we haven't finished that project. Exactly. So we have to upgrade. We have to, yeah, we, we're already obsolete. And so in in singles, it's twenty three dollars. Yeah, or twenty three. It's, it's and a almost half. double the price. No, I think the other ones were twenty dollars, weren't they? You sure? I thought it was about fourteen dollars. I don't. I, I remember twenty, but it was so long ago. Yeah. Um, what kind of package does this come in? The same big honky okay power package. This is one of those ones that looks like a. If you took a TO220 and you stretched Stretch it, it and gave it a bunch more pins. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like one of those. Yeah, and gave it a beer belly and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But eight, amp, eight amps at 60 volts, yeah. that's even more heat we got to yeah. get rid of. Yeah. And well, it's, it does, I think, 10 amp peak for yeah. a very short period of time. Okay, so but the 541s did 10 amp peak too. Yes. 
but it, it was only five amp continuous. Right. These do eight amp continuous. Well, and that's why we did. We had two op amps in parallel, yeah. such that we could do ten amp continuous. So this would be two of these in parallel. So you can do sixteen amps. Actually, I would use two of these, but still spec it at ten. Okay. Yeah. Just, so you're not like running them. Oh, uh, with the five four ones, we were balls to the walls. Yeah. We just ran them at max voltage, max current. Yeah. And they worked. Yeah. They were they were doing. And what so these we asked could. To. So with these is we can run even higher voltage. We can actually do a hundred twenty volt sine wave. With with two of these in series, or mm, yeah, in parallel. We still need to get the hundred and seventy volt for RMS though. True, but we're, we're getting there. If we yeah, if we have a DC power supply that could be switched to just straight output mains voltage, that would be awesome. Yeah, I wonder. So if we, could do we that gotta wait for the what the this is the five four nine. By the time I don't know the five five six comes five, out five, six. or something, it'll yeah. it'll be like thirty amp with two hundred volt continuous. <laughs> continuous, yeah. <laughs> In that small package. Yeah. Okay, on to the RFO. Yeah. Um, so this week we had the Juice Zero by SparkFun. Right. Um, Google Lens lets smartphone cameras understand what they see and take action by TechCrunch. And then we have Robot Lives in Your Garden and Eats Weeds, found on Hackaday. So Juice Zero, can we you guess what this is about? Yeah, we talked about this one already. Well, those, that was the Juice Juice Zero. This is the Juice Zero. Oh. So basically... SparkFun made a DIY version of the press out of out of artisan cardboard. Oh, and, how and, much did it cost? Servo. They, they uh, I think it was just a goofy video they made. <laughs> but and for the juice packages, they basically use Capri Sun. No. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, they use Capri Sun, and they <laughs> and they basically they pre you know. Poked it with the straw. I wonder if they saw that one guy's comment about he's been hacking Capri Sun since he was like I'm, five. I'm, I'm thinking that's where the it inspiration came from. Yeah. And basically they take the Capri Sun and just stick it upside down and then they close the lid. And <laughs> then they, they have a big uh, you know, arcade button on the side that you press. And it goes, <laughs> and it squeezes a little Wait, juice Wait, well, how out. does it go? <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we, got the, we have the link up for it. Um, YouTube link. Go yeah, on. it's a very good... Um, a good sucker punch, I guess. Yeah, because the video is really well made, and it, well, and it uses Spartan. all the it uses all the like, um, uh, the wor- words words. It uses all of them, all the words, Ev- every one. <laughs> yes. Sparkfun um, always makes good videos. Their video, their 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 production quality is pretty high. Buzzwords. That's the what buzzwords. Yeah. Thing. It uses all those like how how startups describe their business and stuff like that. Oh, the whatever this original one, the Juice Zero or oh, it was Juice the Zero ultimate or whatever. It was incredible, especially the 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 letter that the uh, CEO, CEO wrote. wrote. It was just wank city, <laughs> absolute wank city, uh, defending his his bag squeezer. All the wank. <laughs> okay. Next one, uh, the Google Lens, which is came out of the Google I.O. conference. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you can, I guess it's going to be an update to Google phones or whatever. Uh, maybe my Pixel will get it. I have no idea. Basically, it's uh, you point the camera at something, and it will tell you what it is. They have uh, their some kind of image recognition. Image recognition with some uh, Google A.I. Oh, they, they're, they're calling it 
AI technology. Sure. Um, I, I was thinking you might be able to get the same result, though, if you, like, took a picture and then mechanical turked it out. So you had, like, you know, 10,000 people in, like, India look at the picture and figure out what it is and then send it back to you. <laughs> That's messed up. That's what Mechanical Turk is. <laughs> I guess. And you can, like, actually just spin up a Mechanical Turk on Amazon. You see, what Google's probably going to do is just take a picture of everything. Just eventually they will have a database that has images from every angle of everything, and then it just looks whatever that up. You yeah. Know? It just... I don't know, whatever, compares images and be like, oh, okay, I know what that is. That, that's actually one thing they were doing with the camera is using GPS data and what your camera sees, it can figure out basically like what store you're looking at and it'll overlay uh, reviews and the recipe, uh, not recipe, um, uh, menus if it's like a restaurant and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or store hours, kind of like didn't, augmented didn't reality. Didn't Google have something like some kind of like huge video about that? I don't know, like six, seven years ago, with the guy who wore a, like a projector thing on his chest, and you know when he would walk up to his friend, it would project onto a wall and be like, "This is Tom," and he'd show his Facebook wall and stuff. I thought that was just the Google Glass. Was that the origins of Google yeah, Glass? Yeah, but like it was that. called something else. I have no I don't. Idea. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, but, it's, but it sounds like the evolution of that style. That style, thing. yeah. And I think this is going to be a lot more beneficial than Google Glass. Because Google Glass pretty much did the same thing. Yeah. Except this is on your phone. It seems that people are more accepting of this kind of technology in your phone versus, like, wearing it on your eyeball. Okay. Have you really interacted with many people wearing Google Glass? Yes. Uh, thoughts. What are your thoughts on that? It's really goofy looking. Okay. I I had there was one night I went to a a bar with a and buddy you can't of mine. stop looking at it. Well, <laughs> it's not that I couldn't stop looking at it. He couldn't stop looking at it. And the problem was like he was just like constantly surfing or doing whatever he was doing and it would be awkward because I'd be conversing with him and then I'd realize oh he hasn't paid attention oh, in the last like 10 <laughs> minutes. He's watching the latest cat video on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, probably <laughs> something like that. It was it was horrible for like human interaction. Absolutely terrible. And uh, and and I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to crap on it too much cuz it's cool. But at the same time I was like this is, no. Stop. <laughs> you got to get used to it, man. Yeah, I'm gonna because it's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that. Um, there's that video, the augmented reality video where, um, where it's a guy's life and he's like walking down the street and it's like ads are popping in that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. And he gets to the end, he's like walking down uh, the grocery store and everything's so nice looking, and then like the augmented reality program crashes and he's just like in a. It's just Dang, a dump. dungeon yeah. area, and like everything's really sketchy looking. And then like someone pops in and goes, "Don't worry, we're rebooting your experience." It's like, Ugh. yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> or like uh, uh, that that Futurama episode where they all go into the web. It, oh. was, it was like way back. Yeah, that's like ep- season one or two. But they're getting attacked by ads, and they have to like kick and punch them and stuff. It was yeah. awesome. <laughs> no, I wish it was that way. Oh, you can attack the ads. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, you can in real life. What, with ad block? <laughs> no, like, well, I'm thinking like billboards. Oh. <laughs> Man from Houston attacks a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> next. Yeah, next. <laughs> um, robot lives in your garden, eats weeds, found on Hackaday. Uh, this is from a new company that I haven't heard about called Franklin Robotics. Mm. 
They don't have someone named Franklin. Okay. Working there. Um, the Is there robot, a story behind that? I don't know if there's a story behind the name. Basically, it's a bunch of ex-employees from uh, iRobot. Okay. Is that iRobot? Yes, iRobot. They make their Roombas and stuff like that. Sure. Um, and the robot's name is Turtle. So like turtle and till yeah, for yeah, guarding. I, yeah. I got it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it has all the words. Yeah, it has all the words. It has all the words. Yeah. Everyone. Um, so basically, it's a, it's a robot. It's a Roomba for your garden. Yeah. It says it has tank treads instead. Nice. And it goes around, and if it finds a plant that's below its, like, it, it basically it assumes if it's a, it's a weed, if it's below a certain height. Can you set that height? I don't think so with their prototype. All right. Because uh, you can't buy this yet. It's just like, I think they're trying to get funding or whatever. Okay. Um, but it basically has a weed whacker underneath it. So if it finds a a plant that's short enough, it just drives over it and then turns on the weed whacker and chops <laughs> it up. That's and awesome. And it keeps driving me. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it basically is a really good way. At, at least if you have to start with no weeds. Right. So when they finally start growing up, it chops them down. Yeah, because if you put this in someone's garden right when they plant stuff, it just goes and just oh no 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 rips no. through all oh, their no. new so plants. So they they tell you basically to put like little protectors okay. around that make your 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 plants that are not that you want to keep protected until <laughs> they grow big enough and the thing can't run them. I over. can just see it. It's just mayhem. Like, yeah. Bad, bad, must kill, <laughs> must, must kill. Must kill all green Too things. Too high, must kill. <laughs> um, you go on vacation, come back, and your whole lawn is just on fire or something. <laughs> just destroy. Um, but it's, it's solar-powered, so it just basically, when it's done, it just sits there and recharges. Pretty cool. That's neat. Yeah. Can you, like, define boundaries of what your yard is? Uh, it probably works like a Roomba and just detects it by bumping into stuff. <laughs> just... It's just on a on a weed murder mission. <laughs> weed it murder just mission. keeps going. <laughs> yeah. Well, until it runs out of juice. Yeah. So. But it's solar powered. Well, I mean, sometimes the sun's not up. <laughs> this is going downhill. <laughs> okay, and so that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Parker Dolman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy.